Hello everyone and welcome to the Rock Ag Podcast. This is your host, Garrett Coffey, Ag and Natural Resource Agent for the University of Kentucky in Rockcastle County. Today, we will be joined by Dr. Kenny Burdine, University of Kentucky Agriculture Economics Specialist. We will be discussing cattle markets, backgrounding profitability, feed prices, and our coronavirus stimulus package that is now available. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Burdine. Uh, we're glad to have you on with us today. Uh, we're going to discuss a few things and you're going to tell us how to make money with some cattle today, I hope. And uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and lead into it and we will start talking about uh, the cattle market. Uh, I think in the last year, our cattle market has been something that has been uh, pretty crazy, actually. Uh, we can go all the way back to the plant fire in Kansas, uh, COVID-19, throw in a few other things on top of that, and uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, what, do you, what do you see for us in our, in our markets? You had two of the big nails right on the head. You know, the plant fire, I guess, that you referenced, that was, that was I think, August of 2019, if memory serves me correct. That was in some ways kind of a precursor of what we were going to see, I think, in 2020. That, that plant fire, as you know, took out, you know, temporarily about 5% or so of our packing capacity. And of course, although there have been many, many phases of the COVID impacts, the most severe was what had this, what hit us this spring. And at one time, I actually had processing capacity down about 35%. So although COVID was bigger, both of those events created a processing bottleneck, which backed cattle up in the system and put downward pressure on cattle price. And at the same time, you know, decrease the amount of beef flowing out of the system and, and basically push, push beef prices up. So kind of getting squeezed on both ends in the cattle market. We, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, overall though, I think uh, just considering everything, we have actually held pretty good, really. Uh, I think probably we're pretty close to where we were about this time last year. Is that, that about right? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Um, so if you look at October prices, so at this point, we're recording this on the 21st, Garrett. I got three weeks of price data for October. We're just a little bit above where we were last year on the calf market. And if I look at the exact same thing for heavy feeders, and in all honesty, heavy feeders, you know, things above 700 pounds, they've actually held, I think, better than the calf market has um, since summer. And they are just a tick below where we were in 2019. So in, in both cases, we're very comparable to last year. And then, like you said, given, given the cards that we were dealt in 2020, as frustrating as the market's been, it is important to put it in perspective and realize that we honestly weathered this storm reasonably well, given everything we had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, one thing that we heard a lot about, I think, back kind of towards the start of COVID was the fact that uh, we were having these cattle that were backed up because our plants were shutting down, you know, people were getting COVID. Um, and so we had all this backlog of cattle. What, what's that situation look like right now? Looks way better. Um, it's almost hard to fathom the decrease in slaughter over several weeks there. Um, so, you know, you had feed yards that weren't able to place cattle and they were they, I'm sorry, they weren't able to, to move, move cattle, which, which meant, you know, that led to decreases in placement. So, we had kind of a swelling of on cattle inventory, but just as problematic, we had, you know, we had cattle getting bigger on inventory, right? So we had two things going on. We had the backlog and we had the fact that cattle weren't getting moved, so they were, they were on feed longer. It looked to me like about, after about August, 
placements were back to normal. We had worked through a lot of those, what I call long fed cattle. So the cattle that had been on feed, you know, longer than they would have been. And even looking at placements as compared to cattle outside of feed yards from the July USDA report, it looked to me like by the end of August, we had largely worked through that bottleneck, or I'm sorry, largely worked through that backlog. Now, it is worth noting that feedlots are still fairly full because they have had to kind of reload some of those. But I do think for the most part, the cattle that were outside feed yards out in the country that were heavy, I think most of those are now on feed. So I think we've worked through the block of that. Okay. So, I mean, I think uh, with that, we'll lead into, you know, where, where you see our cattle market in, I mean, the next, you know, month, two months, six months, you know, wh what's that kind of looking like for, for a future? Let's break it down into two groups if I can, Gary. I'd like to kind of look at heavy feeders and then calves almost separately because they do move so much differently. Right. With heavier feeders, so, you know, the stuff that's 700 pounds and above, um, you, know, you know, these are cattle that are going to be going directly on feed. They're always vulnerable this time of year. And, you know, if you, those feed yards that are placing those heavy feeders on feed, you know, with anticipation of selling them, you know, five to seven months down the road, they're always looking at live cattle futures to give them an idea of what those feeders will be worth when they come off feed in the spring. And there's always a major break between April live cattle futures and June live cattle futures, right? The spring is our peak of the fed cattle or think kind of start of the grilling season. Right. So this is the time of year when the cattle, the heavy feeders that are being placed on feed start moving from being priced on an expectation of being finished in the spring and then eventually being finished in the summer. And there's usually a pretty big price discount once we get to that point. And we're kind of in that transition now. So I do think these heavy feeders that have held reasonably well, I do think they're going to be a little bit vulnerable over the next month or two, because pretty soon those heavy feeders placed on feed are going to be coming off feed in the summer, not in the spring like they are right now. So I, I do see some vulnerability on their prices between now and the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And then the calf market, um, calf market's honestly done all right. You know, like I say, we're above 2019 levels. A couple things have hit us here recently. Um, as we speak, the last three days, so, you know, this is a Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and so far today, the future market's been down. And, you know, that, that never helps in terms of building calf prices. And at the same time, you know, we've had, we've had some increasing expectations for grain prices as this corn crop doesn't look quite as big as it did back in the summer. So those two things are impacting all the markets as well. And when I go back and look at um, marketings and, and just, you know, basically receipts at stockyards, I still think we've got quite a few calves to work. I mean, a lot of our springborn calves, I don't think have come to the yards yet to be sold. So I think we'll see another, I don't know, maybe a nickel could be as much as a dime taken off of this calf market between now and maybe mid-November. But in all honesty, that, that's a normal seasonal pattern as we move right. towards late fall and start seeing more of these springborn calves move through auction yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty typical is, you know, we get a bunch of spring calves dumped in October, November. So that's, that's, that's kind of a typical thing. Um, so with that being said, what about... Um, you know, I, I personally own some cattle and, you know, is it, what's the profitability looking like for me to keep my calves and, you know, maybe make, make it through this October, November slide and hold them till, 
December, you know, January, put a little weight on them, um, you know, get them backgrounded with their shots and all that kind of stuff. And, and what does that look like? And maybe what's that look like? You know, can I go down the road and buy my neighbor's 30 calves and put in with them and make any money on those kind of, to kind of discuss that with us a little. Yeah, really, really good question. Um, I guess there's, from my perspective, there's really, there's kind of three, there's kind of three elements of it. So first thing to understand is just like you mentioned, we're, you know, we're kind of fighting the seasonal decline right now. But, you know, most folks that, that you know, calve in the spring and, and sell their wing calves in the fall sell when most folks are doing the same thing. So oftentimes we do hit the bottom of that market if we just kind of, you know, pull our calves off the cow and sell them weaning time. So by giving ourselves another, you know, 45, 60, 90 days, you know, beyond we need to precondition those cattle, oftentimes the market actually moves in our favor because we've moved past that, you know, that, that bottom, that bottom everybody else is selling. So that's the first piece. The other thing that's, that's typical any year, but we're really seeing it this year for sure is there's a premium on wean calves versus green calves. And if you look at what the market reporters are calling value added calves that are not fresh off the cow that have at least had a round of shots, they're selling, depending on the weight break, between eight and 14 bucks a hundred weight above, you know, those, those fresh off the cow green calves. So there's some price improvement as well, you know, to think about. Um, and then the third thing you said may honestly be the most important that, that folks don't think about as much, but you know, we, we cannot control the market aspects of that decision, but we do have some control over what those cattle are doing in that post winning phase. And if I can get gain on those calves fairly, fairly efficiently, and that's the piece of this puzzle that really is kind of the home run. If I can get, you know, a better price because they're, they're wean calves, they're preconditioned. And at the same time, I can put on some game fairly efficiently in the next, you know, couple months, then I've, I've probably got a win-win. Now, the other thing that you asked about um, was, was purchasing some calves, you know, to kind of background through winter. And anytime the market's moving, that's always tough to look at. Um, so when I think about the backgrounding question, I'm usually thinking about longer term, maybe something like 120 days. And Greg Halich and I usually write a winter backgrounding article every, every fall for the economic policy update. We were kind of working on that this week. Again, with the market moving, it's difficult to break this out. You know, we've taken, how honesty, Gary, we've taken a big chunk off of spring feeder cattle futures over the last few weeks. In fact, really just the last, just last roughly five trading days, you know, we, we've pulled these, we've pulled these feeders, spring feeder futures back about the dime. So it's hard, it's hard to think about that moving that much and not impacting things. So those winter backgrounding programs on purchased calves don't look near as attractive right now because of that drop in the last week on futures. Frankly, our calf market just has not fully reflected that yet. Um, when I looked at the Monday and Tuesday sales, our calf market did back off some, which makes perfect sense. My guess is over the next week, spring feeder cattle futures improve some, and the calf market probably drops a little bit too when we get back to a normal. But right now, that longer term backgrounding of purchased calves does not look as good. Sorry for the long answer here, but part of the Part of the difference between, you know, preconditioning your own calves versus purchase calves is that if they're your own calves, you know, they're, they're lower risk calves, right? You know, you're going to have fewer problems with them. Health costs are going to be lower. You're less likely to lose them and have to treat them. And at the same time, you know, we don't think about this, but 
you know, if you've got calves that you're, that you're either going to sell it winning time or keep post weaning, you know, you're going to haul those cattle to market regardless. You're going to pay commission regardless. So the additional cost of keeping those calves, you know, for another 60, 90 days and preconditioning them is much smaller than somebody who's buying calves do the same thing because they're going to they're fully have those commission transportation costs. And frankly, they're probably going to be buying some higher risk calves, which means they got, you know, greater potential for mortality and morbidity. So oftentimes I say the most profitable group of cattle that you can background or precondition is the one you raised yourself. Right. Right. You know, something that uh, you touched on, and I, I might be throwing you a little bit of a curveball here, but um, whenever I look at uh, our calf markets and I read about our calf markets and listen to podcasts all the time about calf markets and, and kind of something that I've, I've noticed is that I hear a lot of people talking about that these backgrounded calves are going to be more of our benchmark. You, you said they were value added a while ago. You know, we've seen that we added some value with shots and weaned and eating out of a bunk and that kind of thing. But at what point do you think that that's going to be more of a benchmark and we're going to be taking a cut for green calves? It just depends on how you look at it. We're, we're largely there already in my opinion, Garrett. Yeah. Um, so when I refer to the value added calves, like in, in this conversation, what I'm really referring to is what, what the market reporters call value added. Right. So, you know, that's kind of the, so there's a differential. We, we still see more of the nondescript cattle run through than we do with the value added cattle. Right. So on one hand, I guess you could say right now, it's still a premium for value added cattle. But regardless of how you look at it, you know, there is a big difference in price between, you know, these fresh off the cow wean calves and, you know, these, these cattle that have, you know, been weaned for a period of time and have had some sort of health program. And that's just going to become more and more the case. What kind of price slide are you seeing with that kind of, do you, the, do you know roughly what kind of price slide we're seeing between the, the value added calves and the green calves? I watch it week to week. Um, so this past week, I actually ran this relief conference uh, Monday night. It was seven or eight bucks a hundred weight on the cattle, kind of between five and six hundred pounds. The light sixes actually were were higher, which is kind of unusual. You know, usually you see more, you see, usually you see more advantage to to preconditioning on lighter cattle because the heavier they are, the you know, the less risk there is anyway. But on those light sixes, it was like over, over a dime a pound. So you know, there's kind of a range I think about somewhere kind of in that six to twelve cents a pound is a good rule of thumb for what those wing calves sell for versus those green calves. Okay. Um, so, you know, you kind of touched on the feed there a minute ago, and I know that if, if you watch anything about uh, uh, grain or anything like that, we all saw where Iowa lost, you know, 10, 12 million acres of corn. And, you know, what's, uh, what, what's our feed prices? I mean, are we going to see pretty flat? Or are they going to jump up because of that? Or where's, where's that going? They've already moved up some. Um, you know, corn, corn kind of sets the tone for feed. Right. And anytime something happens in Iowa, you know, there, it's just such a major corn producing area that, you know, you're going to see impacts. And, and we're honestly already seeing those. Now, in all fairness, we don't really know how big a corn crop is until it's in the bin. And, you know, there, there's still a lot of questions about that. You know, we'll get USDA's final estimate of this corn crop, I guess, in January. But the only, you know, we do know for sure it's not as big as it used to be. And of course, a lot of folks that, you know, that deal with, you know, that deal with, with feeding cattle here in Kentucky, backgrounders and, and so forth, you know, a lot of them aren't purchasing a lot of corn directly. You know, they're feeding a lot of byproduct 
feeds. They're feeding corn gluten, soy hulls, um, distillers grains. But in reality, all those things are kind of priced based on what they're worth on a nutrient basis. And corn oftentimes kind of is one of the main, one of the main drivers of that. So we're gonna see our commodity prices go up as well. Um, trying to think here, give you a little, little better point estimate. Thinking about what I was running for backgrounding budgets a couple of months ago versus now, um, I think I have increased the price of kind of a 50-50 blend. So, you know, corn gluten sales by about 20 bucks a ton. Yeah. Which is pretty significant, right? You're talking about, you know, going from something like, I don't know, you know, maybe something like 170 to 190 or 180 to 200 a time. So it makes a difference. Right. Okay. That's that's good to know. That obviously makes a difference whenever we're deciding how long to keep them and how much weight to put on them and how much weight we can put on them, even for that matter. And it affects it affects what feed yards can pay for these cattle because you know corn is you know corn is their major it's their major feed cost so you know anytime corn prices are higher you know it, it impacts profitability of feed yards which which tends to push push feeder cattle prices down too yeah for sure so um, with our um, one last thing before we go is the the last CFAP program the 2.0 uh, would you like to talk about that just a little bit yeah be glad to. Um, you know, been getting quite a few questions and we pushed some things out. Hopefully you've seen some of that. So most important thing, if you're not familiar with the CPAP program, you, you, need, to, you need to see your FSA folks and get signed up for it. Um, it's out there. This second round of CFAP is a little bit simpler than the first round. Um, you know, first question I've gotten a couple of times is, you know, can I, if I participate in CFAP 1, can I participate in CFAP 2? The answer is absolutely you can. This one's easier. It's really, it's 55 bucks a head on cattle inventory, uh, basically from, you know, from, it's from April 16th to, I can't remember the date in August, I'm sorry, Garrett, but somewhere in that time window. And you basically are gonna pick your highest inventory, you know, for that time period. And you get paid 55 bucks a head on everything, excluding breeding stock. So I like to think about scenarios, Garrett. So if I'm a, if I'm a spring calving cow-calf operation, you know, I, I would have had calves on the cow during that time. So I don't get paid for my cows, but I get 55 bucks a head for my calves. If I'm a fall calving herd, you know, probably I hadn't started calving then. But if I had kept calves past April 15th of 2020, and a lot of folks did this year due to the market because of COVID, I could get paid on those calves again in this round at 55 bucks a head. Yeah. And then obviously if I'm a stocker operator or, you know, a backgrounder that turns cattle, you know, I would have had cattle during that time. Like I could get paid on those as well. Um, last point I'll make, I've got this a few times, but they're defining, they're defining breeding stock as anything that is calves. So if you've got bred heifers that have not calved yet during that time, they would fall in that category for payment as well. Just, you don't get paid on your cows or your bulls. Yeah. So if I kept some feeders or not, I'm sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. If I kept some heifers in the spring and I bred those heifers and they haven't calved, they're due to spring calve in 21, then those count as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If they're on the farm and they've not calved yet, they fall in that category. So, you know, we would, we would love to have the cattle market higher, right? But in the absence of that, you know, the CFAP program's out there. So by all means, take advantage of it. Uh, sign up is into December and it's done through your FSA office. If, if you sign up for CFAP 1, it's, it's one form for CFAP 2. So yeah. it's pretty simple. It is. It's really simple. Um, I actually participated in it myself, so it was really easy. I actually just emailed the... Um, the technician there at our FSA office and we emailed back and forth and got that taken care of really easy. So it's, it's easy to do. Make sure and contact your FSA office and get that taken care of. 
any last words that you would like to leave us with today before we wrap up? Well, you know, I usually tell folks I wish them good weather and good prices. And, and I don't know about you guys, and we're recording this on October 21st. I, I don't know when to go out, but we had quite a bit of rain here the last few days. And if temperatures hold like they will, I hope to stockpile some grass. I hope everybody's able to at least get some little, little bit more fall growth here to help us a little bit as we go into winter. Yeah. And I guess I'd just say this, Garrett, you know, the, it's, it's been a frustrating market. But if we kind of step back and think outside of COVID and think longer term, you know, this cow herd is smaller. I think it'll be smaller again in 2021. And although COVID has hurt our export market some, I do think fundamentally, as incomes improve in a lot of these countries we export to, I think that outlook is positive. So I'm still generally positive on the cattle market over the next few years. So. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Burdine. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, uh, good luck to everyone in the cattle market. Enjoy talking with you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Ag Podcast. For more information on any of the content in this podcast, please contact Garrett Coffee at the Rockcastle County Extension Office at 606-256-2403 or garrett.coffee at uky.edu. Remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Thanks for tuning in.